The following is a conversation with Andrew Sipley. Andrew is a co-movement coach and nutrition expert. Today, we're going to dive into the popular carnivore diet. We're going to discuss what it is, the benefits, what you can and cannot eat while following this diet, where you can learn more and educate yourself on this diet, and then finally, recommendations for someone looking to implement this way of eating. You're listening to the Co-Movement Gym Podcast, where we inspire people to move and live courageously. If you are enjoying this content, please support our sponsors in the description. I thank each and every one of you for being on this journey with us. Now, please enjoy the show. Folks, listen up. I want to take a brief moment and thank our podcast show sponsors, Lombardi Chiropractic, Native Path Supplements, and Redmond Life. Lombardi Chiropractic has been my personal chiropractor for 10 years and has kept my body strong and healthy. Native Path Supplements are used by numerous co-movement clients and our coaching team here at the facility. I highly recommend that you try their chocolate collagen peptides. I was made aware of Redmond Life by one of our trainers here at the facility. He recommended I try Relight Electrolyte Powder. This supplement has dramatically improved my afternoon energy levels and overall hydration. I'd like to thank these three companies for providing outstanding service and products that make our society healthier and more resilient. Mention the Co-Movement Gym Podcast when you call Lombardi Chiropractic, and not only will they treat you like family, they will provide a nice, enticing discount to all listeners. And use code COMO15, that's C-O-M-O-15, at checkout when shopping at nativepath.com or redmond.life and receive 15% off all your orders. Your support to our show sponsors assists in us paying for expenses and continuing to provide content we hope you all enjoy. Welcome to the Co-Movement Gym Podcast. Andy and I are sitting in the studio. We're going to talk about a a really popular diet that's circulating the media. Yeah. Right. Um, so what's that called, Andy? Uh, the carnivore diet, which, yeah, has been getting a lot of traction and increased popularity for like the last, what I'd say like five years, but especially in the last one or two years. Well, especially when up. Joe Rogan started talking about yeah. it. <laughs> that <laughs> well, that'll do it for anything. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yep. Um, so for people listening, um, we're going to have two episodes uh, where we're going to get in. Part one is going to be what is the carnivore diet? Yep. Okay. The benefits of this diet um, and where can listeners learn more and educate themselves on this diet. Okay. Yep. Uh, our part two episode, we're going to get into what you can and cannot eat on this diet and then recommendations for someone uh, looking to implement it into their lifestyle. So this is a two-part episode. So if you're listening to this right now, um, the following week, part two will be released. Right, gotcha. Okay, cool. Okay, all right. So the carnivore diet, the name sort of says it all or does it? I don't know. No, it does. Yeah. (laughs) It absolutely does. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, animals are always split into two groups. You're either an herbivore or a carnivore, or I, I should say three groups, because you could be an omnivore mm-hmm. where you eat um, plants and animal products. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the carnivore diet is exactly what it sounds like. It's um, a diet that consists only of animal products, you know? So I guess you could think the vegan diet consists only of plant products. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the carnivore diet consists only of meat and animal products like uh, butter and dairy is included um, and eggs, things like that. And then an omnivore diet is what how most people eat, where it's just a combination of plants and yes. plants and meats. Yeah. Yes. I know over the last since I got back from Polyface Farm, I've been following pretty strict, not 100 percent. I'm going to say 80. Yeah, we'll be yep. honest, 80 percent. Um, we've talked about this, but like carnivore diet, 80 percent. Right. And uh, shit, I feel good. Yeah. Yeah. You've like, been saying that, like the more that you turn to. You, you decrease the amount of plants in your diet and the more meat and animal products, the better you've been feeling, right? And it's very interesting. Um, we've been having some of these conversations with clients and their socks are blown off. Like, yeah. like Andy and Josh don't eat salads and this and that. Well, you hear so much, like, I mean, it's become ingrained in everyone's mind that your fruits and vegetables are so important. Fruits yeah. and vegetables, if you want to be healthy. So when you tell people you're not eating fruits and vegetables, they're like, how on earth is that healthy? <laughs> sure. And like, we're not putting a, like a hundred percent stamp of approval on this diet. No, right? so in, a lot fact, of people in fact, we that. should actually start by, by okay. saying that, um, cause I wanted to make sure we made this disclaimer. Um, I've never done a, a pure carnivore diet. Neither of you, we've always eaten a lot of fruits and vegetables and, you know, just whole food plant products like that. Um, and I have always thought of vegetables, especially as being healthy for various reasons. Um, but the more that I've researched this carnivore diet, the more I think that the, the arguments for it and the reasoning all makes pretty good sense. And we'll get into that today. And it's got me, it's gotten me to the point where I'm questioning how important are plants and do I actually need them in my diet or not? So that's where I, am. so we're both, neither of us know for sure whether the carnivore diet is optimal or not, but we're interested in it and we're exploring it on this podcast. Yeah, that's what makes, and you know, we talked to, maybe it was Kelly about this, but we don't have it figured out, right? right? The nutrition, exercise, like, right. I think the true definition of like a true practitioner in any field is like that continual learning Always. experience, like, well, that's the, you know what, like, that's um, kind of the, the cornerstone of scientific mindset. I mean, if you knew everything, mm -hmm then science would be gone as a discipline. I mean, science is the process for how we figure things out. If you already know everything, you don't need science anymore. <laughs> the yes. reason that there are scientists is because there are still things to figure out. There's still things to learn. Yes. Yeah. And for people listening, give yourself permission to experiment, right? Whether it's with this diet or another diet oh, or, or way of eating or lifestyle change or cold showers or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's me and you resonate on many levels, but we're always experimenting. That's such an important point because as much research as I've done over the last 20 years and all the books I've read and lectures I've watched and so on, um, the way that I really figure things out eventually is to put it into practice and try for myself. And I've done all sorts of different nutrition protocols and fitness protocols and things. And that's how you, that, that hands-on knowledge is the most valuable, you know? And you and I discuss this a lot, the importance of feeling results for yourself mm -hmm. versus not and having that meter, right? Mm -hmm. Of gauging that. Yeah. Most people, unfortunately, want to be told, yep. right? Yep. Which is fine. That's what we're in the business of, the educating people. Yeah. But you need to feel it. Yeah. And you need to say like, yeah, this worked, felt great, or it didn't, or this changed, or this didn't, right? Yeah. Like, because otherwise, it's all just hypotheses yep. and theories in your mind. Or you go but, on to the next book or the yeah. next guide or the next tip. 
but you're never really checking in right. and saying, well, shit, when I ate bacon, butter, and beef, I felt great. Yeah. Now you have that experiential understanding of what this does for you, how you feel on it, whether you want to continue it or whatever. Absolutely. And that that's this is more like a theory, right? Like this is in training, nutrition, like life in general. Everything. Like, yeah. You know, don't if you've been eating the same thing for 15 years and you feel subpar every day, I would say maybe you should, you know, start experimenting at some level. Right. Right. So, all right, well, let's dive deeper. Um, let's go into the carnivore diet. Yeah. Um, I, well, I guess we should just define it, which is so, so incredibly easy. It just means that you are eliminating plants from your diet. It literally just means that you're eating only animal products. That includes red meat, chicken, fish, eggs mm -hmm. and things that come from animals like well, like eggs for example or dairy you can eat cheese mm -hmm. and um yogurt you know things like that as long as there's no added sugars mm -hmm. or things that are not carnivore mm -hmm. right so yeah. that's pretty simple right there um i think if, if you want to start off with like why someone might do this i think a good place to start is the evolutionary argument for carnivore and that's what i'm very interested in yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I'm, I'm still exploring this myself, so I might not have all the answers, but like the first question maybe that someone might have is, well, are humans, are human beings carnivores? And I would answer that, no, we're not correct because yeah. for the, you know, for the humans are omnivores mm -hmm. for our entire 200 or 300,000 years that homo sapiens have been on this planet. We've been hunter gatherers. We've hunted for meat and fished and whatnot. But we also gathered whatever we could find that was edible. And, you know, if we came across the blueberry patch, we weren't going to pass it up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in our history, you, you take any calories you can get, mm -hmm. basically, you're trying to survive. Um, so why then would we do a carnivore diet if we're trying to do something that's evolutionarily consistent? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't we continue being om omnivores like human beings have eaten? Mm -hmm. And the argument there is that... Um, uh, our ancestors would have prioritized meat and animal products as their primary food source. I was just thinking that. Yeah, basically, like, if they could get meat or animal products, then that would is what they would eat exclusively. They always favored that. For sure. It's The plant products were like a way to survive when, you know, the hunt didn't go well. Yes. Well, now you can go and gather some roots or something and you can still survive, you know? But it wasn't a way of survival, gathering, right? We're talking hunting and gathering. Yep, like yep, yep. Gathering was, to me, I'm viewing it as... Um, like a bonus, right? Like blueberries are in season or yeah. strawberry, right? Or whatever you find in mm -hmm. nature, mushrooms. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think the cornerstone of the way we ate yeah. was animals. And there's act there's pretty much ironclad proof that that's the mm -hmm. case. I'll get into that in a second. Okay. Um, but another point to make there is that um, even though we were omnivores, we would still gather things and eat plants when necessary. Um there were certainly times every year when plants just weren't available at all. So like, you know, the cold winter months, you know, we live in upstate New York and there's plenty of native Americans that lived in this area. They weren't getting blueberries or any vegetables or anything from, you know, November until May or whatever it was. So even though we were omnivores and that we would gather plants, we still spent a good half the year or more as just strict carnivore because that's all you can get during yeah. half the year. And I wonder if it was, think about like the seasons. Do you think it was primarily carnivore in the winter months? Well, I think it would be pure carnivore in the too. winter months. I would too. But I think in the, um, in the summer months, it would be 
as much carnivore as you could be like whenever you could get animals great mm -hmm. but now there's an opportunity to collect veg, you know vegetables and fruits and things like that if you happen to come across them yes. and like we said you know in our early ancestors were just trying to survive mm -hmm. any calories that they could get it's like they're not going to pass up some something that's edible and look at like where villages were built right like by streams near water rivers, yep. yeah near <laughs> water um the the, the plains place you know? place where game was plentiful for sure. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyway, uh, what, what did I want to say about this? Um, oh, so you know how I said there's like ironclad evidence that we were um, eating mostly meat in the past. Um, this is something I learned recently, which is really interesting, but um, they do something called stable nitrogen isotope testing uh, mm -hmm. on human remains. Well, they can do it for, for any animal, but so they can find skeletons all over the world of all of our ancestors going back, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. And they can take the collagen proteins out of these bones that they find. And they do, they test the concentration of this isotope of nitrogen, basically. And that, that testing will tell you um, without a doubt exactly what the um, the organism that the early human lived off mm -hmm, of, mm -hmm. and what they find it even down to the species, they can tell you like exactly what animals they're eating and what amounts. It's really cool. Wow. But this this stable nitrogen isotope testing, when they do it on early human remains from all over the planet, they find that these humans were eating about eighty percent of their food from animals, from various meats, what was ever you know what was uh, local to the area and fish um and then like the the other 20 percent was coming from these fibrous like roots and things mm -hmm. that they could scavenge and find mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um that's a that's a landmark finding that's huge yeah because to me that's huge because we weren't right. around a hundred thousand years ago to know what our ancestors were reading so to me it was always kind of speculation yep. um but now that they actually have this nitrogen testing it's like and they can identify exactly what they're eating and in what proportions mm -hmm. that's a really cool indication that we did evolve eating like i said 80 percent animals and as a reminder for people listening agriculture that's fairly new yeah like super new yeah five to ten thousand years old yeah that is when a lot of our health problems began <laughs> yeah so like for people thinking oh like you know big farm fields and this and that like that didn't exist that long ago you know like five you said five to ten thousand years yeah so um, we're talking like um what five percent of the yes. time that humans have been on the planet and you made a great point our health yeah deteriorating <laughs> Starting at about that point started to deteriorate yep, yep. yeah the agricultural revolution was great in the sense that it allowed us to stay in one place and build cities mm -hmm. because we could just do this massive farming of grains and things like that. And, you know, people could, we could build big cities and have a food supply, but it wasn't the healthiest food supply in my opinion. Oh, for sure. Um, and I'll say one more thing about this. Uh, like we can even see hunter gatherer tribes that still live today, like the Maasai out in Africa, mm -hmm. um, who still live exactly as their ancestors did. And their entire diet is just, meat blood and milk yeah. that's literally all they eat and they're in tremendous health there's none of the diseases of western civilization or anything yeah and they're not more active than us either like studies have been done on their activity level and you sure. think okay they're outside they're hunting they're 
they must be like super active and fit. Like people mm -hmm. go to the gym all the time. Mm -hmm. um, they're actually less active than most many Americans are. I watched a documentary on them. Mm, yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of lounging. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> now there is group tribal hunting, yep. right? And all that um, in preparation, but they they don't have like cubicle jobs. <laughs> right. <laughs> not, so they've got quite a bit of freedom. I was fascinated by that. And I read a while back that the average hunter-gatherer worked 10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry, 10 hours a week okay, yeah. um, on hunting, gathering, prepping for the tribe. Yep. Um, so versus now is like 40 to 60 yeah, in unhealthy yeah. environments. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a good it's point. It's interesting that they had like less work to feed themselves and house themselves and uh, more leisure time or just rest time. Yeah. And um, I've read stuff on like, um, you know, when times get tough, whether within the tribal days um, or even the Great Depression, the families that had a cow or cows yeah. had, they had milk, cheese, yogurt, meat, yep. all with one animal. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it was, it was very interesting. I'll, uh, before we move off this, I'm just going to say one more thing about omnivores. Mm -hmm. Cause we said that how, how humans are omnivores, right? A lot of people think that what omnivore means is that you basically just eat 50, 50, like, you know, half plants, half animals, just eat whatever you can get. But the truth is, um, in the animal kingdom, uh, biologists will split them up. Um, omnivores tend to be specialists where they tend to get like 80% from meat and 20% from vegetables or 80% from vegetables and 20% from meat. So they tend to be like, they specialize in either animal products or plant products, and then just get the kind of remainder from the other group when they can't get what they want. Um, and humans, like I said, are probably in that meat specialist yep. omnivore category. Absolutely. So. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone listening is curious with the benefits of, of this diet, you know, what the one big thing that strikes me as obvious is there's, um, very little carbs, if any, right. Yep. <laughs> which is great for most people, um, and no sugar. Mm -hmm. And so that's huge. That's a massive one right there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually had written down in my notes here, uh, carnivore benefits. I was going to get into it in the end, but if you want to just breeze through them quick, just so we can set the stage. Um, so you already brought up, uh, ketosis, mm -hmm. you know, that's when you're on a very low carb diet. And we've talked about this on the podcast before, so we don't really need to get into it, but many benefits of that, like the improved energy, better mental clarity, um, upregulated fat burning. Um, and you, you avoid all the dangers, like you said, of, uh, sugar, which we all know is bad for you and processed refined carbs and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, weight loss is another big benefit with the kind of carnivore diet. You hear that all the time. People drop weight very quickly. Um, I would say that's because of like the ketosis and also because, um, it's just a very satiating diet, you know, yes, this meat and animal products <laughs> will fill you up for a long time. Oh yeah. So I think people tend to eat a lot less calories when they're on the carnivore diet, just because you're more full and satisfied. I, I can absolutely see that. Yep. Yep. Um, I would throw a uh, better nutrition in as a benefit. Um, healthier fats, you're getting saturated fat from animals, which we could talk about a little bit, but that's much healthier than, you know, it's been demonized, but we've talked about this on the podcast before too. 
Saturated fats are not the devil that they're made out to be. They're actually really good for you. You get some good monounsaturated fats and omega-3s from animal products. Mm -hmm. And you avoid all the polyunsaturated unhealthy fats that you tend to get from uh, from plant products or that are made from plant products, mm -hmm. like the vegetable seed oils. Mm -hmm. Which is, the, the we just mentioned the top two things that are crushing our health, sugar and seed oils. Yep, so those are both Gone. completely eliminated on the carnivore diet. Yeah. As far as better nutrition, there's a higher, this is something that not a lot of people know, but there's a higher concentration of all micronutrients like vitamins and minerals mm -hmm. in animal products. I used to think of vegetables as basically like your multivitamins. So did but, I. Like I knew that like, so did I. I knew the fats and the proteins and all that stuff that you got from animal products, meat and fish were really, really good for me. But my idea in the past, if you asked me like five or 10 years ago was, but you should include a bunch of like vegetables, dark green leafy vegetables and broccoli and whatnot, because that's where you're going to get all your extra vitamins and minerals from. Mm -hmm. And the more that I've learned in the last five years, it turns out that and you can find charts like comparing some of the quote unquote healthiest plant products to various meat products. Mm -hmm. Meats and eggs, especially they're phenomenal, like eggs are like nature's multivitamin, but meats, eggs, fish. These things are far richer um, sources of vitamins and minerals than plant than vegetables are, mm -hmm. and most people would not guess that. Mm -hmm. That was me about a year ago. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a year and a half ago. Like, talk about continued learning, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I got a text message from a client the other day that um, asked, like, what brand multivitamin should they yeah, take? Yeah. And, um, Egg. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, that just said, you know. Yeah, I basically said eat meat, eggs, you know, raw milk. Like I just, I said, I don't even take that, right. you know, and I'm not saying whatever, if you're taking that, it's not going to probably hurt you, but mm -hmm. that is not the cure all. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, along lines with uh, better nutrition on carnivore, um, you actually absorb all of the vitamins and minerals that are in there. Cause mm -hmm. a lot of in plant products, even though they might have various vitamins or minerals, they tend not to be in a um, bioavailable form to humans. So a lot of the, the vitamins and minerals and micronutrients defined in vegetables, your body has to convert them into something usable. And a lot of times it doesn't convert them very well. Mm -hmm. So you might get a, a package of, um, uh, let's say, you know, spinach, and it says that there's a ton of calcium in there, like, oh, 40% of your daily calcium. But you might only absorb, like some estimates are like 5 to 10% of that. And we'll get into reasons. But the the nutrients in plant products are not something that our human body is made to absorb and use we have to they have to go through our liver and whatnot and be converted into a bioavailable form and our bodies don't always do that for very well that's very very interesting whereas the nutrients in animal products 100 bioavailable you absorb all of them you use all of them well since i switched over to more of an 80 20 mm -hmm. um carnivore diet my digestion, like talking stool, yeah, you said. has been like ultra perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not eating salads. I'm not, I'm having some vegetables here and there, but not many. Mm -hmm. Um, fruit, I'm eating. Um, I'm not so I'm not strict carnivore, but 80-20. But um, oh huge difference. Before yeah. it was never bad, uh, but cyclical, mm -hmm. right? And some days, you know, you'd notice like, oh, uh, salad didn't digest all the way or this or that, or, yeah. you know, certain, you know, things that might be eaten raw from the garden, or I can definitely tell that the vegetables don't digest as well. I think it is much harder well, to digest. And think about the number of people 
eating maybe 80% plus of just vegetables. Mm -hmm. They have gut issues, um, energy fluctuations. They're not absorbing the nutrients. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're wondering, they're like, you know, I'm doing everything right. And my digestion's still bad. I'm still bloated. And I'm like, could be the plants. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we discuss fiber briefly, because mm-hmm. that's a big topic on this. So if you're not eating plants, where are you getting your fiber? So we'll we'll get into that. But yeah, one of the big benefits of carnivore is massively improved digestion for a lot of people. It tends to be great for people with um uh diverticulitis or diverticulitis, um, Crohn's. Uh, irritable bowel syndrome, you know, any of those IBS, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, carnivore tends to be like a lifesaver for those people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, just also though, on the, on the nutrients in carnivore, one last thing is um, meat and animal products provide all of the essential nutrients that a human needs. Whereas plants don't. Um, that's it, a big line. That's, that's huge. Say if, that again. Yeah. So meat and animal products contain all of the essential nutrients that a human body needs. Essential nutrients are things that um, your body needs, but your body can't produce on its own. So you have to get it from food. Um, And you can get all of them from meat and animal products. You cannot get all of them from plants. There are several essential nutrients that we need that you cannot get on a a vegan diet, we'll say, if you're eating only plants. Um, So that's a really huge thing. And that's why People on the vegan diet, they have to supplement with various things. We'll talk more about that, but that's significant. That's huge. So for people listening, if you didn't absorb that, hit rewind. Like that's very significant. I want to put that into something I noticed with the show, that Survivor show alone. Oh yeah, that was a great show. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about this a while back. If anybody um, wants to see a really cool show, watch Alone. Um, and it's on Netflix. Yes. And well, I think seasons like seven and eight, just, yes. just skip to those. They're amazing. Unbelievable show. So on the show, they're obviously hunting, gathering, surviving. There's mm-hmm. no food. The number after about a week, the number one food that all contestants went for was fatty meat. Yeah. Yeah. And it was in this show. If, they could, get, if they could get red meat, like kill a, would, would one of them kill a, like, a muskox, muskox yeah. or a porcupine or whatever. If they could get that, or if they could fish and catch some like nice big, were they catching salmon? salmon? Was it, it salmon? Um, yeah, they were catching all different yeah, kinds, yeah. but I think but salmon was could, one location. If they could get that stuff, they did okay on the show, but the ones who did not have a health, a, a good hunt and they were just living off of like the berries and the plants in the area. They got trashed. They did not do well. Trash. But it was amazing. Like they were starving essentially. Like yeah. they're in a calorie deficit every day for the most part, but they really naturally craved, not out of habit, Mm-hmm. Like they naturally crave protein and fat. And it just tells you something, right? Like they they they're not craving cow. Yep, yep. Or, you know. Oh, they were whatever. talking about how badly they wanted fat. One of the contestants yes. was like, God, if someone could just give me a stick of butter, I'd just eat it like yes. as a stick. <laughs> I remember that. And actually, this was probably the starting point for me into the deep dive of the this this diet but mm-hmm. just this way of eating right like the evolutionary past that show sort of really kicked that off for me yeah um and then i started reading more and talking to you and stuff so yeah um let's just get the last couple of benefits of carnivore um this one's interesting higher testosterone and lower estrogen levels and the studies show it's about a 15 percent 15 percent higher testosterone and 15% lower estrogen mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. which is kind of cool given i mean i think we've talked in the past on this podcast about the epidemic of 
very low testosterone in men these days. Yeah, you want to, yeah, we could do a whole separate episode on that, which which we can. I think it's very interesting. Um, But if you want to wreck your testosterone, sugar, alcohol, seed oils, no exercise, (laughs) right there, that's the foursome. Um, But this diet, no doubt, it's a saturated fat, right? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. sure. And the cholesterol. Boost the T levels. So guys, if you want help with that. I've got uh, two more benefits for you here. One is just decreased inflammation. Mm -hmm. um, And that's going to be mostly due to the absence of seed oils and sugar, Mm -hmm. refined carbs, that kind of stuff. Um, I had better digestion down. We already covered that. And then um, avoiding food intolerances. Um, a lot of people have intolerances to various compounds that we find in foods. And almost like almost all of the time, like let's say 95% of the time, um, the things that people are intolerant to tend to be from the plant kingdom. Totally. Every now and then you'll find someone who has like, an allergy to shellfish. Okay. That, that, that's an animal product. Or maybe someone will be intolerant to lactose from milk or something like that, you know? Um, but almost always food intolerances tend to be things from the plant kingdom. Mm-hmm. So carnivore, if you are struggling with, um, you, your diet is causing some sort of symptoms in you and you don't know what it is. Um, you know, something in your diet is, is making your system kind of go haywire or whatever. Usually what people, nutritionists will recommend is that you go on an elimination diet, mm-hmm. meaning you just go to like a bare bones diet of things that will not trigger your symptoms. And then you can slowly add back things and figure out what was causing your problems. Mm-hmm. Carnivore is like the ultimate elimination diet. You're mm-hmm. just going to strip your diet right down to the things that you know works well with your system, which are the meat and animal products. Mm-hmm. And then if you, you, you might feel great and just do that forever. But if you don't, you can slowly add back in some vegetables and things like that. And if you want them, <laughs> if you want them, right. You might not, right. I just want more bacon. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you like, I would say like 95% plus of all food intolerances come from the, the plant world, whether it's gluten or, you know, whatever. Um, so you eliminate all your plants and you might find out, I think most people who, who have food intolerances, which is probably all of us to some degree, um, just, it's usually pretty minimal in most people. I think almost everyone has some food intolerances and we just don't even really know it. So I'm curious about trying carnivore um, just to see if I feel better. Maybe there is something I've been eating that's got me feeling, you know, a little less than hundred percent. You know, what's interesting. You mentioned that is the last three days. I think it was, I was out of chocolate mm, yeah, yeah, and I love chocolate. Yep. I'm talking straight up 90%, right? Two grams of sugar. So the good stuff. Um, but the first day I craved it a lot and then I forgot about it. And then I had it yesterday. So it been the fourth day. Um, and it was like, I could have done without it. And I don't know, again, I don't think I have an intolerance to it necessarily, mm-hmm. but I wasn't craving it. Like your body craves generally yeah. what it wants, unless you have addictions and yep. stuff. But like, um, so I don't know, like it was it, because I had definitely have craved chocolate in the past. Like when we I, did I, that, I think um, a lot of times cravings um, are uh, are a matter of taste. Like you want the taste of something. Okay. Like for for me, for example, I love dark chocolate and I eat a lot of it. And if I stop eating it, I'll probably really want some just because I like the taste so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might have been something like that. For yeah. You, but. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, one thing I know listeners are asking themselves right now and thinking is 
well, I've been told that too many animal fats are going to give me heart disease, um, high cholesterol, your veins out, you and Josh probably are just <laughs> clogged arteries, clogged arteries. Like, heart attack. We don't need to, to spend yet. much time on this because I just want to rip this out there. Yeah. But like, because people can look into this themselves. Yeah. Um, this is old science, right, yeah. which your doctor is most likely telling you. Um, so just a brief 101 on that. Just that, um, like you said, all the recommendations around saturated fat, fat and cholesterol being bad for your heart and arteries and such. Um, that's all very outdated science that's being rapidly overturned right now. And um, anyone who's up to date on this um, will tell you that cholesterol is not the demon it was made out to be. Saturated fat is not bad for you. And there's some fantastic studies. When we do an episode on this, which is one that I really do want to do in the future, a deep dive into heart disease and saturated fat and cholesterol, um, there's some amazing studies now that show actually an increased uh, lifespan or decreased risk of all cause mortality and massively decreased risk of cardiovascular disease when you have higher cholesterol levels. So it's really funny because sure. doctors are always, you know, if you get your blood test done and your cholesterol is above what they consider normal, they want to lower it in any way that they can. Um, and now it's showing that actually people with like cholesterol levels of 240, 260, 280, like higher cholesterol levels actually do better and have better health outcomes in the long run. Yeah, but if your um, triglycerides are over like 200 or approaching 200, doctor freaks out. Well, that's a good and... thing. He should. Um, triglycerides oh, are different. get into this. Okay. Yep. Tri triglycerides are, when you have your triglycerides measured, they're, they're measuring how much fat is in your bloodstream. That's yes. what triglycerides are. Triglycerides are fat and they travel through your bloodstream to get to where they need to go. Mm -hmm. There is no good reason to have an excessive amount of fat parked in your bloodstream. Gotcha. If you have high triglycerides, that's a sign that you have uh, some metabolic issues. Mm -hmm. your, your body isn't, your, your cells aren't taking those triglycerides out of the blood and using them like they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. So they're getting stuck in circulation, basically, and they're kind of building up there. Sure. So yeah, cholesterol, great high cholesterol levels. I wouldn't worry about it at all. You know, enjoy your saturated fat and stuff. Um, and if you are on a high fat diet and you, you, you will see your cholesterol go up possibly or whatever, but when you go and you get your blood work done, your triglyceride mm -hmm. levels should still be nice and low, like 50, 60, something yeah, like that. Mine were like 82 last time. And that's fine. As long as it's below a hundred, yep. you're, you're fine. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Okay. That so, also has to do with how active you are and how much working out you're doing, but we'll talk mm -hmm. about that on another episode. Then I recommend to people like do your own research, mm -hmm. like look into this, you know, um, I'll give we, people we've been, we've been pushed for years. Yeah. Low fat, high carb, you know, yeah. and it's destroyed the house. I'll give America. people right now, just a, a quick, like one sentence, like, uh, if you do get your blood work done, mm -hmm. you know, everyone always looks at their cholesterol and their LDL cholesterol and, oh, is it low enough? You know, don't worry about that at all. Like LDL cholesterol, the quote unquote bad cholesterol. Like I said, the higher that is, people tend to actually do better. So don't worry about that. The most important things on your blood work are going to be, you want your HDL, the good cholesterol to be nice and high, maybe around like 70, 80, 90, 100, something like that. And you want your triglycerides to be nice and low, um, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, something like that. You know, um, as long as your, your, that ratio of HDL to triglycerides is nice and high, high HDL, low triglycerides, 
you're in great shape from a cardiovascular standpoint. That's great. And as a disclaimer, we're not doctors. Right. Yeah. Thank um, you. <laughs> so, you know, look, if you, you know, get other advice and you feel better, yep. that's great. Uh, don't take our advice. Yep, learn, nope. it, learn it for yourself. That's my opinion. So if you are in that boat, yeah. um, then just research it yourself and talk to your doctor about it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, any other benefits before we move on? No, that's, okay. uh, I think that's about it right there. Very cool. Um, so let's wrap up part one of this topic uh, with where listeners could learn more and educate themselves. The, the, the one person that I have, and it's one that you know, Paul Saladino, mm-hmm. um, Carnivore MD on Instagram. Yep. Um, Paul Saladino has had an influence on me for sure. Listen to him on YouTube. Um, I've not read his book. Uh, was it Carnivore? Yep. Carnivore Code? Carnivore Code. Yep. Okay. Um, great book that I've, I've heard. It is, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's one recommendation I have to look him up. Paul Saladino. Do you have additional resources? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, Paul was one of the people that um, got me really interested in carnivore. He's a, he's a really brilliant uh, physician and he's gotten super interested in healthy living and nutrition and stuff like that. And uh, he's thoroughly convinced that like the carnivore diet is what's optimal for humans. Um, and he communicates that information really, really well. He's got a podcast and he's very active on Instagram and social media and whatnot. So yeah, Paul Saladino is a great reference. I also really like, um, well, I can name a few people. So there's uh, um, Dr. Sean Baker. He's someone that I followed for for a while. Um, there's Dr. Uh, oh shoot, what's his name? Dr. Ken Berry. I think he's really good. He's These are all carnivore doctors. Um, who have great health and recommend carnivore to all their patients. Um, there is uh, Dr. Anthony Chafee. Um, all these guys are very active and have YouTube channels and stuff. Uh, and then, oh, there was one more. Oh, I really like uh, a guy, his name is Bart K. And um, he's he, he can be a, a bit of a um, uh, an acquired taste because for the fun of YouTube, he, um, he tends to use a lot of profanities and clickbait titles and, uh, he gets very aggressive. He has like, he critiques vegans and does like reviews of their stuff. And he's, sure. he's always, uh, throwing out insults and being like kind of abrasive, but he just does that as a character on YouTube. He's a brilliant, uh, research scientist and, um, very, very high level in, in all this stuff. Um, and I've learned a ton from him. So that's Bart K. He's also got his regular personality. Sometimes you'll see him in interviews when he's out of character and he's just being his normal scientist self. Mm-hmm. And he's he's really uh, really chill and just knowledgeable and respectful and stuff. But yeah, so those are probably my like whatever that is top five or so. So that's yeah. What is that? Paul Saladino, Ken Berry, Sean Baker, Bart K, Anthony Chafee. Yeah, awesome. Great resources. Yeah, so we both recommend people researching this on their own, um, you know, learning it for yourself, maybe experimenting with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want everyone to tune in to part two. Yes, in part two, we're going to get down more into the nitty gritty of uh, why it's probably a good idea to avoid plants and all the various problems that they can cause. And that'll probably blow some people's minds. Okay. So as well as um, the a kind of a comparison between like um animal products and plants as far as what nutrition they provide and what you get from animals that you don't get from plants so 
this was like an overview and then we'll get a little deeper on the next one. Yeah, we're gonna also dive into what you can and can't eat. Yep. Um, and then I wanna talk a little bit about what you're gonna see Paul Saladino on Instagram yes. talk a lot about. Yep. We're called like the Paul Saladino diet. Yep. I don't know if there's a specific name. I don't think there is his way of eating. Right. Which may really resonate with a lot of people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which would be a still a great way to eat. Yeah, just, um, just for a little preview, like all those resources we talked about, those guys are all 100% carnivore. Paul Saladino is a little different in that he he went 100% carnivore for a while, but then he recently started experimenting with adding fruit, a few select fruits and honey to his diet. Mm-hmm. Um, so now he's more in that like, you know, he's probably like 90% carnivore, but with like 10% from certain fruits and honey. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit too. Awesome. All right. Until next time. See you later. Yep. Bye guys.